0: Doctors don't have a clear understanding of it. It started opening up my mind to like, how does the human body work? This is a real thing that really affects people.
1: This is a major pain.
0: Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking with India about her incredibly complex medical situation. Her primary major pain right now is chronic migraines, but she was born with the genetic condition hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And she has experienced many of the conditions and complications that can be associated with that disease. India's chronic migraines started after she had brain surgery for a Chiari malformation in her brain. According to hopkinsmedicine.org, a Chiari malformation is a problem in which a part of the brain, the cerebellum, at the back of the skull bulges through a normal opening in the skull where it joins the spinal canal. This puts pressure on parts of the brain and spinal cord and can cause mild to severe symptoms. And as India will tell us, she was experiencing severe pain and pressure from this Chiari malformation that required she get surgery. India also brings an incredibly valuable perspective to this conversation as a retired nurse. There's a lot of great information in this podcast about a variety of subjects, including migraines and how they work, the complicated feelings around having a genetic condition that is passed down to your children. And the ways in which chronic illness can affect the course of your life, the things that you lose and some of the things that you gain. So once again, we have an absolutely stellar conversation to share with you. So last week on the podcast, I mentioned the fact that we actually have a retired medical professional who listens to the show, who offered to write in and tell us a bit more about the medical situations that we discuss here on the podcast, because I am not a medical professional and normally neither are my guests. And that person is India, and you get to meet her in person this week. And she actually provided some great information that directly pertains to her own story about chronic migraine, because chronic migraine actually came up briefly on our episode last week with Michelle. India says about last week's episode, "...Michelle's story was both interesting and sad. She endured a lot, but was a warrior." During the podcast, you talked about migraine aura and its visual symptoms. I thought it might be good for people to know that aura can show up in other ways. This may help them recognize that they may have migraine disease. Aura, which is the second phase of a migraine episode, does not affect everyone with migraine. 80% of migraines have no aura, but visual disturbances happen in about 92% of auras, and this can be seeing flashes, spots, stars, zigzags, having blind spots, or even losing sight for a short period. Scary. There are other aura symptoms as well. Sensory changes, such as numbness, tingling or pins and needles sensations in the hands and fingers, face, and other parts of the body. Speech and language problems. There can be word-finding issues and slurring or mumbling. Muscle weakness and, rarely, partial paralysis. Vertigo, feeling confused or fearful, and memory changes. And that's only one of the four stages of migraine. So India, thank you so much for that information. I love that it will be your story that we will talk about this week and your experience with chronic migraine. And it was very fitting that you were able to provide some expanded information on migraine RO, which we touched on briefly last week. And since India is kind enough to provide us with her expertise and share her story with us today, it's important to remind you that while she is a retired nurse, this is not to be considered medical advice from a medical professional. And as the host of this podcast, I am not a medical professional, so please do not take any medical action based off of what you hear on this show without first consulting your doctor. Thank you to Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, and Ensign Q, our Patreon producers, who helped to make this show possible today, and the rest of our community of listeners on Patreon. Thank you all so much for helping to support this show. If you're enjoying this podcast and you'd like to support it, please head to patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast to sign up for a recurring monthly contribution to help keep this show going. I did receive a $1 tip through PayPal this week from Morgan, which totally made my night. I love that so much. It's such a nice little surprise. So, Morgan, thank you so much. Your support is so greatly appreciated, not just as a guest of this show, but as a listener as well. And thank you to every single one of you who's here listening to this podcast today. I'm really excited to share this episode. I so appreciate you spending the time to engage with this podcast and to listen to these stories. We got a great one for you today. So this is my conversation with India about her many major pains, including chronic migraine and Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. India, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. It's great to see you in person, Jesse.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited to chat with you today. We've been emailing back and forth a little bit, and I've gotten a, a glimpse into your story, and it sounds very complex and very interesting, so I'm really excited to share it today.
1: Well, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to sharing my story and also some of the things I've discovered along this journey.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, well, let's get into it. India, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Well. Um, I think the most important thing to me is that I'm a mother of three kids. I have, um, I have a daughter and two sons, and then I have three add-ons that I consider my kids as well. <laughs> and I have an incredibly wonderful granddaughter.
2: Wow. Um, awesome.
1: yeah, she's fun. I, um, I have a cat, uh, that I, I live on my own, except for my cat. And I just got a fish. My cat's name is Jazz. And my granddaughter daughter told me I had to get a blue fish and call it blues, so that I would have jazz and blues. <laughs> <laughs> what eight-year-old knows that? Wow, but she's lots of fun. Um, in addition to that, I'm the eldest of a really. I have three siblings, and um, my family is incredible. Just I need to say, a bit call it, like say something about them because. From the beginning, they have been so incredibly supportive of me. And so being part of that family is huge. Um, Aside from that, um, when I can, I like to paint. Um, I also write and I do some editing. um, And we'll talk about it later, but I moderate a Facebook group. And I also um, help manage social media for a member of parliament. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, very cool. And,
1: uh, and I call myself an armchair activist. So <laughs> whenever I can write letters or sign petitions or do things like that, that's another thing I like to be involved in.
0: Yeah, very cool. And you're coming to us from Canada.
1: That's right. Yeah, I live in London, Ontario, which uh, if anybody's living listening from London, England, we uh, we have Covent Garden Market and a Thames River and, <laughs> uh, you know, all, the, I think they just took all the names and just plunked them down here. So, oh,
0: wow, I didn't, I knew there was a London, Ontario. I didn't realize the rest of that. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, one of my favorite video games is created in London, Ontario, Warframe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I watch people live streaming from, from your from your place of residence all the time.
1: <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. I'm not a gamer at all, unless you count Scrabble, which is a full contact sport in my family.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, India, let's get into your story. What is your major pain?
1: Well, you know, I, I've given this quite a bit of thought, uh, knowing that that's the question. And I, I mean, in terms of what's affecting me the most um, is is chronic migraine. That's sort of the major pain. But at the root of that, which perhaps is the majorest pain in a way is having Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, I have hypermobile type with also um, indicators for vascular um, um, Ehlers-Danlos. There's 13 kinds of Ehlers-Danlos and they are, um, they are determined by genetic testing, but the kind I have, the hypermobile, uh, is the only one that doesn't have um, a, uh, a an identified variant yet, but right. they think they are getting close. So basically, they test you for all of them. And if you don't have all the others, by exclusion, you have this one if it lines up with your clinical picture. Hmm. Um. So, I don't know if you want to get into the EDS a little later. I mean, it's affected my life in a lot of ways. Um, I also have bipolar illness um, and bronchiectasis, which is a lung condition that is related to the EDS as well. Um, I'm I'm hypothyroid. (laughs) I have essential tremor, and I have an yet undiagnosed movement disorder. And I have arthritis.
0: (laughs) Wow. Yeah. That's quite the list. Yeah. That sounds overwhelming.
1: Well, I I used to joke that I had a bullseye on my head, you know, where the universe was just throwing things at me. Yeah. Um, But then, you know, I realized thinking that way was making myself a victim. And I didn't want to be a victim as much as I can be. I want to be um, at the helm of my own ship. So
0: absolutely. Yeah, I I fall prey to that thinking sometimes as well. You know, Mm -hmm. I was just playing that video game we were just talking about yesterday. And there's a lot of luck in that game. And when I have bad luck in that game, I just immediately jump to, wow, the universe hates me. You know, the universe (laughs) has it out for me. I got all these health problems. And this video game didn't give me the thing that I wanted. (laughs) And uh, I always have to check myself because... It's so easy to focus on the negative when, you know, if I take a step back and say, wow, all the things in my life that are so wonderful, you know, that so many other people don't have, I never think, wow, the universe must really love me because I have all these wonderful things, you know?
1: It's that negativity bias that we have yep. in our brain uh, definitely does it. And, and um, I certainly go through times like that. And I've been through some very deep, dark places since things got bad. Um, but, yeah, you know, thinking about what is good in my life and remembering things like um, I, I was a nurse um, and I volunteered as a nurse in both the Dominican Republic and Nepal. Wow. And sometimes I think, oh, my God, what if I had these health problems, but I was living there? Mm. Um, I helped in a medical surgical camp um in nepal and people would walk two days just to get some medical care or they would you know pull people on a wagon or pile like i mean pile into backs of trucks just to come to this clinic which happened only once a year and i think what if that's where i was living yeah and instead i live as you know in canada as you know where we have um Pretty accessible healthcare and free healthcare for the most. Um, so I have to count myself really blessed in that regard.
0: Yeah, totally. That's fascinating. Yeah, I always think about what if I was born a couple hundred years ago? You know, they'd mm-hmm. think they'd think I was a a witch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look at him twitching. Yeah, totally. Light my fire. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, yeah, it's just all so complicated. Let's go back to the beginning of your journey. Which of these conditions presented first?
1: Um, well, Ehlers Danlos did, but I didn't know that's what it was. Um, uh, that didn't come until after um the chronic migraines started, which was after my brain surgery. Oh, wow. um, and but it once I got the diagnosis, it was like. Oh, that explains this and this and this and this. Yeah. Right. Um, like I developed varicose veins when I was 14. Um, I have these weird little cysts on my feet. Um, I can do crazy party tricks with my joints. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, was, that was always good for some fun, you know. <laughs> Look what I can do. Um, and, uh, you know, then there's other things that go with it as well. Um, now, you know, it's affected my vision. It's affected my, um, uh, my oral health. Um, like this year alone, I've lost six teeth. Wow. Um, so there's lots of aspects to it. So you're born with EDS. It's a genetic condition. Um, and there were indicators along the way, but, um, it wasn't I'm really old, you know, so it wasn't as well known, <laughs> I suppose, when I was a kid. Yeah. And, uh, and it was just by luck that I got diagnosed. I was sent to a pain clinic um, to see if there's anything else they could do about my migraines. But they dealt with a lot of conditions. And the doctor said, you know, I don't think there's anything I can help you with with regards to your migraine. But did you know you have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome? And I'm like, I have what?
0: Wow. <laughs> How long ago um, was that?
1: 2015.
0: Oh, wow. So the, the diagnosis of Ehlers Danlos was fairly recent and something you've just yes. been living with your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that disease is really interesting because there's just this massive wave of people being diagnosed with it right now. And I'm mm-hmm. just seeing it all over, you know, especially on TikTok. And we've talked to several people on the show already who have had Ehlers Danlos. And it just seems like, Maybe it's just been like massively underdiagnosed for a long time, or or the diagnostic criteria has evolved or something. Do you know anything about about what's going on with that disease in, well, in the last was few the, years?
1: There definitely was the misdiagnosis, and I know you've talked about fibro on various episodes, yeah. Um, and that was one of the things that it got covered under because, um, especially with the hypermobile type, there's a lot of um, generalized. Um, Body pain. Um, so that was one thing. Um, I think it's a matter of access, too. I mean, genetic testing is expensive and time consuming. Yeah. Um, so, unless I think a doctor has good reason, like they may see some symptoms, but if the person isn't symptomatic, then to spend that money on genetic testing and get a definite diagnosis doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, and the other thing is there are 13 types of Ehlers-Danlos. Um, and, and it's not unusual um, for people to have more than one type or crossover genes from more than one, like I do. So it, it makes the diagnosis a little more challenging, I think.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's so interesting. You know, science is a, is a continuing story.
1: Yeah. and, and, I was diagnosed in 2015, but really unbeknownst to me well first of all, I had it since I was a kid, but then I didn't realize that I was dealing with that with my daughter who in um, 2003 2003 or four um, was traveling the world by herself and got very ill and was seen by a number of doctors in the uk and finally just had to come back um so she first went to my parents um who were living in ontario i was living in british columbia at the time and none of the doctors were helpful so i had her fly out to bc and somebody finally diagnosed her um, and she had um developed like and almost like aneurysm cyst type things Um, On the dura and the dura is the lining over your brain and your spinal cord. Wow! And hers were on her spinal cord and they were so big that they couldn't seal them in the usual ways, which is either a blood patch or fibrin glue. And they had to open her back up twice and put aneurysm clips on them. Wow. So, I mean, that was really, really awful for her and it was very painful. And she's still really, I was going to say struggles with health things but she's got such an amazing attitude and just I don't know that struggle would be right, the right word she lives with them but at the time the surgeon said something about connective tissue disorders well I didn't know what that was and I guess because he was the surgeon it wasn't his job really they they kind of are the ones who show up do the surgery and leave the uh, stage so um you know she didn't have a GP at that time, so nobody followed up on it. Or we would have known earlier that she had Ehlers-Danlos.
0: Yeah. What, that, that must be such a complicated feeling as a parent uh, when there's a genetic condition involved to find out that your child has this condition as well.
1: Uh, it is. I, you know, I've thought about it. You know, if I had known, would I have had kids? I mean, knowing what I've been through. But watching my daughter, who is, you know, still loves life and still tries to do as much as she can and make the most of um, her life, I think, you know, that would have robbed her of that. And before she became sick, you know, like I said, she traveled around the world on her own for at least a year. Um, So she had that experience um so yeah i i'm cons- you know i do have some concerns about my granddaughter about it being passed on um but there hasn't been any um definite indication of that yet yeah the, the hard part especially was just watching her in so much pain i and feeling like i could do nothing
0: yeah and you know like we were just saying science is always evolving and you never know what's around the corner for. For a condition like this, that has really kind of hit the mainstream in the last few years, you know, everyone's wow. everyone's talking about Ehlers Danlos all of a sudden. It's just it's everyone seems to be aware of it all of a sudden. Where I'd never heard of it, you know, ten years ago. So yeah, yeah, you never and know. We actually
1: finally have an actual Ehlers Danlos clinic in Toronto now wow. that's affiliated with one of the major hospitals.
0: Yeah. So you've had this condition your whole life, and I'm I'm assuming that it has progressed over time.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How would you generalize that?
1: Well, um, it affects your joints. So um, uh, almost everybody with EDS ends up with osteoarthritis. Um, So I had to have both my hips replaced. And that happened in the last four years. I had them replaced about a year and a half apart. Um, And my other joints give me pain and grief like my fingers lock a lot more when I'm trying to do something they just lock up and I have to manually with the other hand <laughs> to unlock my fingers um, I do have some braces with to, to wear which do help but can get in the way when I'm trying to paint or something um when I was in my uh, like 40s 50s no 40 when I had the first break of my left ankle um and then uh In my 50s, uh, I broke it twice more exactly a year apart. Um, And that resulted in me having to have my ankle completely reconstructed and pins put in in that. And that is not uncommon for people with EDS, with hypermobile, because our connective tissue is very weak. And so it doesn't support our joints uh, as well as people without it which means we get a lot of ankle sprains and things like that. So uh, I'd also sprained my ankle numerous times through my life. So I guess it was just so weak. Uh, The first time I just tripped on a parking curb. And the second time um, I slipped on the basement floor
2: Mm.
1: uh, on some condensation. Um, Now, the third time I was coming home from a party through a really muddy bush. So I guess, you know, I could... Be culpable for that one. <laughs> <a bit. laughs> but it was interesting because it happened in the middle of the bush, and uh, my friends had to get me back to the house. <laughs> and um, so, but yeah, it, 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 there's been things like that, whereas where the joints begin to degenerate more, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, and then developing bronchiectasis, which is kind of a thickening and a laxity of the um, sacs at the bottom of your lungs. So your lungs can't clear themselves
2: Hmm.
1: um, and you get prone to infections. So I've, I've had four flare ups this year, which require prednisone and antibiotics and things like that. But uh, touch wood, um, I've been okay for a while now. So hoping it stays that way. So those are some of the ways it progresses. Um, And I don't, Um, I did get subluxations of my hip, but I haven't since they replaced it. Um, But a lot of people deal with progressive um, subluxations and um, complete uh, dislocations.
0: Yeah. What what does the hip replacement surgery involve? I mean, I know that's something that is talked about a lot, but I feel like people don't really stop to think about, you know, what actually happens in that surgery if they haven't had to go through it.
1: Um, so they will lay you on one side and operate on the top hip, obviously. Uh, they make a fairly large incision. Um, so your your hip is a ball and joint. Um, the top part is like a cup, and the bottom part, the head of your femur, is rounded, and they fit in together. Um, now, in, like as arthritis progresses, and with mine, there was no Uh, padding left so it was just bone on bone which is what was causing me so much pain and I had to use a walker for a while so what they do is they clean out that cup and they put an artificial one in there and they cut the top of the femur off and then they drill into it so that they can insert um, a rod at the end of which is a uh, a surgical steel ball Um, and then they uh you know, put it together and make sure everything's nice and tight, and they stitch you up um, and send you home the next day. Mm-hmm. And then um, you go through physio to strengthen everything that's been cut through, um, which takes a while. My right hip has not healed as well as my left, so I have, as my mother says, a little hitch in my getty up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it's it's become a very um, standard routine kind of surgery for yeah. for orthopedics and uh, people's recovery is i think much better than it used to be.
0: Yeah. So besides one side not healing as well as the other, how would you generalize your recovery?
1: Really good. I mean, I was like I said I was on a cane um for quite a while and then I had to progress to a walker. Um after the surgery I needed the walker and the cane for a little while as I healed, but um I don't have to use the cane very often for that reason. Um, So, and the pain, as soon as you have the surgery, other than the surgical pain, the pain is gone. It's amazing. It's just like, wow. Um, And that's what you're from. I've heard from all people who have had this particular surgery.
0: Wow, that's fascinating to think about. (laughs) So, I know that you said that you're, you know, you mentioned this earlier and also in our emails, we've talked about your chronic migraines being... Like the the most um, impactful of your major pains, the one that kind of you know has the most impact on your daily life, you mentioned yeah. that that started after a brain surgery?
1: Yes, so there's a condition called Chiari malformation mm-hmm. um, which is related to EDS often um, and and again, you're born with it, um, and it's basically the bones near your skull. Don't form quite right. So the bones at the bottom of my skull, so think at the top of your spine, where those bones come in together over the spine, um, were it was too tight, and it was squishing my brain. Mm. And so part of my brain was then producing, producing <laughs> sorry, um, protruding through the opening there which is called the foramen magnum and um it was causing um a lot of neurological symptoms as you can imagine because you squish your brain and something's about to happen in this case because of where it is it affects the cranial nerves because our top uh the the nerves that come out from our top vertebrae and obviously from the brain itself affect more from the neck up um so I was having trouble swallowing. Um, I would, I was uh, choking a lot. But I still do because I lost my gag reflex from it, um, and um, I developed like ringing in my ears. Um, and um, don't remember what else? My oh, and that's also an area for balance. My balance was horrendous. I had to be walking down the sidewalk, and if somebody wasn't with me, kind of keeping me on track, I just start, um, you know listing off to one side and I'd end up in the road. Wow. Um, so um, you know I wasn't terribly safe that way. My, you know, my, like I said, my balance. And the the biggest part of that was it has its own type of headaches. Um, so I fell in April 2013. Um, I slipped on a floor on a rainy day in a building and I went down on my butt, which is good because it's fairly well padded, but um, I didn't uh, hit my head, but but I had like a whiplash-type movement. And I started getting headaches more and more frequently. And by December, they were just getting unbearable. And my My kids finally said, you have to go to the doctor. And I'm not even sure why I didn't go because I'm usually pretty open to that. Um, Anyway, when I went in, the doctor, I had a great doctor immediately sent me for a CT scan. And uh, I got called in really quickly. And they thought, um, well, I didn't even go to her. She said, I'm sending you to a neurologist. And I went in pretty quickly. And she said, we think you have hydrocephalus, which means you have too much cerebral spinal fluid in your brain. So Cerebrospinal fluid or CSF is the fluid that um, kind of bathes your brain and your spinal cord within the dura. Um, so then they sent me to a neurosurgeon who looked at the x rays and said, No, in fact, you have Chiari malformation.
2: Hmm. Uh,
1: she then sent me to uh, an- another neurosurgeon who was specialized in this. And then I had some tests done. And they talked to me and um, said, you know, you can do the surgery or not. Um, we don't make any promises. The pain will, will decrease, but the neurological systems s- symptoms won't progress.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, and considering I was having all these problems and with the hope that the headaches would go away, I, I did have the surgery, um, which turned out to be the most painful thing I've ever done in my life.
0: Wow. Tell, tell me about so, the surgery.
1: Um, so what they do is, um, first of all, they do a craniotomy, it's called. So they, that form and magnum, that hole that I talked about, they enlarge that to give the brain more room. And then the dura over the brain, they cut out a piece of that and graft in order to give more room with that as well. And then they removed part of my upper vertebrae, my top vertebrae, in order to give more room. So, uh, yeah, it's called a craniotomy, a duroplasty, and a hemi-laminectomy, just in case you want to repeat those things to yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, it was just a a lovely scar. Um, Actually, people who have had this done, call themselves zipper heads, because our scars go up our neck, and the, the staples in that, it looks like you've got a zipper on the back of your neck. Wow. Um, so yeah, so I had that surgery done and, and that was a long recovery. And at first, like, I'm talking like maybe the first week I thought, oh, maybe these headaches are going to go away. They felt a little bit better. And then really quickly without like, without going from one or two migraines, I just went straight into chronic migraine. So, um, and that was... I had that surgery in April, 2014. So I've been having at least 25 migraines a month since then.
0: Wow. Your story is incredible. I mean, you've, you've gone through a lot and it's, it's kind of, it's, it's amazing that you've had these things, you know, your whole life that were finally addressed in the last decade Um how, how do you, is there like a before and after for you? I mean, obviously this chronic migraine is the after,
2: but mm-hmm. what about
0: like the neurological um, component of this? Did you feel like a different person after?
1: After the surgery? Yeah. Um, no, no, I didn't notice any difference um, because it couldn't um, reverse anything. It could only stop right, the progression. Right, right. Yeah. So um, I was still left with swallowing problems. And like I said, I have—I don't have a gag reflex, which means I choke easily. I can't eat things like popcorn and, you know, <laughs> some of those good things. That's um, the
0: saddest anyone's ever said popcorn in the history of the world. <laughs> no one else could I see really your much. face. But when you said popcorn, you look so sad.
1: <laughs> well, you know, you can't watch a movie without popcorn.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so, you know... um. And my balance is still not great. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't walk into the road anymore, but um, I do. That's one of the things I still do use the cane for. Um, So, no, I didn't feel really different. Um, I actually like I didn't feel better. I ended up actually feeling worse probably for a while, especially because, you know, even though they said we can't guarantee the pain will go away, you know. Hope springs eternal, and I was thinking, yeah, in my case, it's going to go away, right,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, but it didn't it, got, it actually um, it actually was got really bad.
0: yeah, that's so frustrating. do you uh, the, what you're stuck in this like impossible position. It's like, do I allow neurological symptoms to progress, or do I you know do this surgery? And then looking back on that must be so complicated because you never know what would have happened if you hadn't done it, and there's a lot of danger in not doing it. For you know mm-hmm. neurological progression, but now you're left with this chronic migraine situation. So I, I I wouldn't know how to feel about that looking back.
1: I don't regret it. Um, migraines are horrible, um, but the other headaches, honestly, every day I wanted to take a drill or an ice pick or something to my head because the feeling of pressure inside from the buildup of the CSF fluid in my mm. in my head was i just wanted to stand in the middle of the room and scream yeah um obviously you never scream when you have a migraine that's a really bad idea (laughs) (laughs) too loud (laughs) um so if you wouldn't think so but if i had to choose one headache over the other i would take the migraine yeah um and the other headache too um they were using uh tylenol threes it's a it's an opioid to help control the pain but there wasn't really any other options yeah. with migraine i've had a m- lot more options now most of them haven't worked for me and i, I believe it's because of how i came by migraine and it's not mm. um the typical way to get this kind of condition it's kind of like people who get it from concussions or whatever i think that to me the the physiology is a bit different
0: yeah um, that makes sense and I'm, for sure i may
1: be wrong but that's my uh, theory, and I'm sticking to it.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, you came by it in a very unique fashion, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've had a, a CSF leak before, a cerebral spinal yeah. fluid leak from uh, lumbar puncture.
2: yeah, And
0: the headache from that was insane. You know, definitely the worst headache I've ever had. And if that is at all similar to a, a CSF buildup headache, then, you know, I can't imagine having that all the time. You know, mine was only... For a short period, they did a blood patch and it went away.
2: Right. Um,
0: but, yeah, I mean, CSF headaches are no joke. <laughs>
1: no. Um, what you had, though, and I've had that too following a, an mm. LP, um, was, like, you're right, like, I was throwing up and it just in so much pain. Um, but it is, that is more intense. Oh, okay. Um, because you're losing more csf fluid sort of quicker in a shorter period of time whereas with the other one um i was actually that's a low pressure headache um whereas with me the csf fluid wasn't circulating correctly and so i was getting more of a buildup of pressure but i've had that and that was that was horrible um i didn't get a blood patch because i have ellers danlos Um, my surgeon said, yeah, we're not putting another hole in you. So they put me in bed for six days in the hospital Mm. to give my body time to heal, which it did.
0: Wow. Crazy. So let's talk about your migraines a little bit. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people that haven't had a migraine, just think of it as a bad headache. So Mm. can you describe your migraines to us and kind of give us a sense of, of what it is that you have on this chronic basis?
2: Do
1: I have to censor my language?
0: You do not. No. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, So it is, it is not just a bad headache. Um, And it's definitely not just a headache. Um, When I get migraine, um, it's, uh, it's really horrible pain in your head. And it, it varies too from person to person. And again, um, you know, there are many ki- kinds of migraine and migraineurs can get more than one type.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I do get, you know, the really terrible um, headache. Um, mine can be more pulsing or just a little bit throbbing. Some people get like, like death metal blands in their head, you know, pounding kind of thing. Um, and the majority of people with migraine get um, it on one side of their head. Um, mine tend to be what they call a hollow So my whole head is involved. Hmm. Um, and uh, I always have neck pain that, uh, that can be with, with migraine people get neck pain and they think that's, what's giving me my migraine, but it's actually one of the symptoms. Um, in my case, it's related to my surgery as well. Um, but w- along with the migraine, I have um, I have sensitivity to um, light and sound, particularly. Um, that's why it's like dark in here. Like I said, um, you know, people come in and they'll they'll go, "Oh, it's so dark in here," and I'm thinking, not enough. <laughs> 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 and I used to be a sun worshiper. I love being out on bright days and. Out in the sunshine, it's now, it's like I feel like a vampire. You know, I cross my fingers and close the door, <laughs> just stay inside. Um, so I have definitely the the light sensitivity, and I have wraparound sunglasses for when I need to be outside. Um, and I have uh, the blue glasses for, you know, uh, I wear prescriptions. So when I'm watching screens and that, that helps with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, sound sensitivity can be, um, really problematic because, you know, sunglasses or closing curtains, I have control over, but especially if you're out in public, you can't control people yelling or fire trucks or ambulances or whatever. Um, that sound sensitivity has in itself brought losses. I, I, um, used to enjoy going to pubs to listen to music and I was a huge fan of opera. Um, but there's no way anymore, especially with some of those notes those opera singers can hit. Just <laughs> no. Um, also, um, I don't get it a lot, but a lot of people get a lot of nausea and vomiting, which can also, if it goes on for a while, can lead to electrolyte imbalance and dehydration. So often they end up in, you know, in the emergency department to get rehydrated. Trying to think what are other mice mice <laughs> i live with it so much i don't break it down often it just yeah it's just there um it can make me not as feel not like eating as much um but it is definitely a whole body experience um you can also get migraine without pain um and i had one of those once and it was really weird you know all of a sudden i'm like i can't concentrate and i can't see the book and what's going on and then i realized that that all the symptoms i were was having were migraine symptoms i just wasn't having the pain
2: Hmm.
0: do you Um, ever get the visual disturbances the aura
1: um occasionally but not a lot um my son has the um what do they call it It, it, the the optic one where um in the past he would lose vision in one of his eyes Hmm. uh, for a while ocular Um, migraines yeah yeah so, yeah, all three of my kids have migraines.
0: Wow. And yeah. you said when we before we started recording that you had just gotten through a seven-day period, a
1: mm-hmm. seven-day
0: migraine. How long do your migraines typically last?
1: Um, I would say usually at minimum two days. I've had them last as long as a month.
0: Wow, a month. That's crazy. And what what yeah. do you do? I mean... What what helps? What are your coping mechanisms when you're in that state?
1: Um distraction, you've talked about that. That's a big thing oh, yeah. for me.
2: Yeah. Um
1: and I just, you know, more recently discovered TikTok, which I'm, I'm becoming addicted to, I think.
2: Um
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I listen to a lot of audiobooks and podcasts because um I find reading very difficult yeah. when I've got a migraine. Um I I mean, I get up and move around the apartment doing what I can to, you know, to do that. But mostly I'm just lying down with ice packs and medication. And uh, yeah, I sometimes dictate some things into my phone, you know, little stories and stuff. Mm. Um, and I hang out with my cat who seems to know when I'm in pain and, and usually comes and either cuddles up or walks on me, one of the other. <laughs> um yeah it can be it can be really a long stretch and believe me you know um i don't like seven days but um when you when i hit about the the seventh to tenth day i'm like okay enough um and with this one i actually went to emerge where they gave me some idine drugs and um And then I went to see my neurologist who gave me nerve blocks. Mm. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with those. Not really, no. Okay. So uh, they inject uh, a local anesthetic, similar, you know, like lidocaine or something. And I get about 12, 10 to 12 injections in my head, um, which hurt, but thankfully not for very long. Um, And it literally freezes my whole head. And the idea is they're injecting around nerves or nerve bundles to calm those nerves down, um, to uh, reduce the communication, I guess, between the nerves and the brain, and thereby reduce the pain. Um, now, it, the effect of that is not very long. But, you know, if I can go home from there feeling better and have a whole evening and maybe into the next day feeling better, when you're going through a long migraine, it's worth it.
0: Yeah, any break is worth it. You <laughs> mentioned medications. What medications have you tried? I know you also mentioned that they're not necessarily that effective, but I'm curious to hear about what you've tried and what's worked the best.
1: Sure. Um, so, well, first of all, I tried the preventatives. So that includes uh, like Topamax and Amitriptyline and Candesartan and various things. Um, they do beta blockers, but I can't use them because um, I have asthma and there's a danger of asthma attacks with beta blockers. Um, so none of those really worked. Oh, and, and then I tried the new anti-CGRP injections. So they've identified a gene, a CGRP gene, that is uh, somehow involved in the migraine, uh, the way migraine folds in our brains. So uh, there are injectable meds that you do once a month um, that can you work as preventatives, and for some people they work very well. People are getting a lot of relief. Mm. Um, Anyway, I tried two of those and they didn't work. Um, So for the most part now, mine is uh, my approach is to treat the pain. Um, Now I tried something called triptans, which are referred to as abortive, so they're supposed to. Uh, once the migraine starts, you take it and it's supposed to, to derail it. Um, again, uh, you know, no joy from that, but they just put a new one out in the market that's a combination of sumatriptan and um, uh, naproxen. And mm-hmm. somehow combining them like that in the one pill uh, actually helps. Wow. Um, so I can get three to four hours of reduced pain from that. Um, and that's probably my uh, most effective uh, medication. So I'm really, really glad that that just came out. Um, now, the thing with people with migraine that's tricky is, so if I have a migraine for, you know, 25 days, I'm only allowed to medicate for 10 days of the month. Really? Yeah. Um, you can develop something called medication overuse headache.
2: Okay. Um, yeah.
1: Especially from opioids, but from triptans and over-the-counter drugs and everything, Um, so you develop a secondary headache to the migraine. That's a result of taking the meds too many times. Now, it only happens to people with migraines. You know, if you have, uh, you know, you've had surgery on your leg and you need to take opioids for a week or two weeks or something, you won't get medication overuse headache. It only occurs for we lucky few. <laughs> so
2: um,
1: you have to find other ways through it. So, um, uh, you know, I know some people like use um, CBD or mm-hmm. THC um, and, and they get some help from that. Um, I also use a TENS unit mm-hmm. um, and, and that can help with sort of the muscular pain in my shoulders and neck
0: yeah that's like um, a little uh like little electrodes that send uh electric current that some people yeah, say can help with pain
1: exactly
0: yeah my dad my um, dad uses one of those a lot
1: uh yeah I, it's very helpful and I actually got mine originally when I was injured by a patient way back in the day um and it's turned out to be helpful for this um so i'm I'm grateful to have that um and uh yeah, and uh and every now and then a good stiff gin martini doesn't go <laughs> wrong either.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean
1: Fortunately I'm not triggered by alcohol. So. yeah,
0: yeah. It's so complicated to to live with chronic pain like yours. You know, you're having these long stretches of intense pain that's really limits your functionality. Um mm-hmm. does that I mean that must cause some anxiety, like whenever you're out of a migraine, you must just be kind of like bearing down for the next migraine. What, what's, the, what's the thought process there?
1: Um, you know, I, I did do that at first. Um, and we, and I, I know I've mentioned to you that um, I'm part of a, a Facebook group for people with chronic migraine, and we talk about these things a lot. And, but now, I just, I just do my best to really enjoy that time that I'm either low pain or pain-free and not yeah. worry about what might come because I know it's going to come. So why am I wasting my time worrying about it? You know? <laughs> yeah. I might as well just spend my time, you know, dancing or visiting with somebody or um, it, it, I think what gets what's hardest for me is when I get a good day, I want to do everything that I haven't been able to do in the previous months. <laughs>
2: <You
1: know>? so, <laughs> time to clean the house and the fridge and, you know, write all those letters and go for walks. And, you know, it, and that's dangerous because right. overdoing it will, it will just trigger another migraine.
2: So. Yeah,
0: yeah. totally. Yeah. I mean, w- this comes up constantly, but that idea of, you know, living in the moment and appreciating what you have in the moment, not worrying about the future or. You know, dwelling on something that is not happening right now, um, you lose out on on feeling good. If you mm-hmm. if you can't develop that skill to be in the moment and and feel good, you know, on a day where you feel good, it's so easy to jump into this uh, spiral of anxiety. Of well, how long am I going to feel good? You know, but and it's, it's so important to give your nervous system a break. And when, yeah. when you're having that moment where things are lining up a little bit better and, you know, you're not in as much pain, just experiencing that calm and that, you know, the good feelings that can come with that is so, so important. It's such a skill to develop for sure.
1: I agree. And I actually, you know, if I wake up, you know, now sometimes the migraine will develop later in the day, but if I wake up and I go... Oh wait a minute! I don't have a migraine. I feel so much joy. Yeah. Um, it's just like I won today's lottery. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: you
1: know? um, and then of course there's also the when I do have a migraine, there can be the frustration of all the things I can't do or yeah. want to be doing. Um, and I think anybody with chronic pain or a chronic condition deals with that as well. But Absolutely. it is. It really is about accepting that what is, is, there's nothing I can do about that. And if the dishes have to sit for a few days, I've, I've never seen them walk away because they're mad at me or anything. So, <laughs> you know, eventually they get cleaned. Um, and, uh, and also, you know, I learn to pace myself. So if it's a lower pain day, then I might, you know, do some dusting. You try and fit in what, what you can, when you can. Yeah. Um, but I definitely agree with you that um, being in the moment is important. And I think it may be our our most um, important way of coping with um, what we live with. Um, because if we, you know, even going through the pain, if we just do that moment by moment and not think about, I can't deal with this all day or, and you know, or it's going to last another hour or... You know, if we can just say, Well, I'm in pain right now, um, and maybe I won't be in an hour because sometimes my migraines go away, right? So I have to just try to stay in the moment and not anticipate it being worse or going on and on. And, um, you know, and yeah, just doing the case, you know,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's so,
1: Doris Day,
0: so important, um, yeah, because what you know yeah living in the moment is not just about the good moments you're absolutely right because if you're in pain and you know those those are the moments where i'm like okay body what do you need you know like what's the best distraction we can do right now what's the best way that i can what's the best position you know what's cold what's warm like how can i make right now as comfortable as possible and Mm -hmm. just to kind of ride through those pain moments that can be so so helpful
1: and I think you bring up a good point. You know, you said, okay, body, what, what do you need right now? Because another thing that can happen is when we're dealing with, uh, you know, pain in our body with chronic illness, there is the, the possibility of beginning to hate our bodies or feel betrayed by our bodies. And to me, that sets up a, a really bad relationship. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, Our bodies didn't do this to us on purpose they're not betraying us even if it feels that way and it can feel that way and i and i also believe in honoring your feelings you just don't get stuck there
2: Mm -hmm.
1: um so yeah it's like um okay you know to to learn to have a compassionate caring relationship with our body i think is really important as well
0: absolutely we are yeah. our bodies, you know, like it's so easy to to feel like your mind is yourself and your body mm-hmm. is your cage, you know, <laughs> but that is absolutely not true. Like we are both and you have to honor both sides of it. You know, the physical health, the mental health, it's also important. How, how does it, How is your mental health affected by all of this?
1: Um, well, like I mentioned earlier, I, I did have a couple of very dark points. Where I was really questioning whether this this way of living was worth living, Mm. Um, but that that was earlier. And the more I learn to um, accept where I'm at, um, um, the more um, and I've I've done a lot of grieving, and I think grieving still comes and goes, um, you know, because. We can lose different things, lose different functions, um, get in more pain. So I think that comes and goes. But in far as uh, grieving the loss of the things at the time of the um, the surgery, you know, it took a while to work through that. Um, so, yeah, um, it's uh, every now and then my... You know, I was saying about my family, my mom and dad, who are 86, they call me every day. They FaceTime me every day (laughs) to see how I'm doing and to pick up my spirits. And But every now and then, I'll call my mom and go, I just need my mom. (laughs) (laughs) I just need to cry for a minute. And, you know, she just stays with me on the phone. My sisters will do the same thing. And I I think we have to give ourselves permission to have those moments, to not feel pressured to have to be um, Miss Sunshine all the time. The reality is that this is hard, and sometimes it's just going to get to you.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and to, to recognize that, that that's okay, you mm-hmm. know, and to find ways to push through. And I, I, society has this, like, you know, this thing about sick people. It's like, if you're sick, then you don't have as much value, and it's obviously not true. You know, it's it's another one of those lies that has been, you know, perpetuated through societal uh, pressures and all that stuff. And when you find yourself in that position, um, it's really hard not to internalize that. And it's it takes a while to realize that there is so much life still to live, so much still to do, so much comfort, and so many things to enjoy, people to enjoy. Um, you know, even if it's just as simple as like, the, the distractions that you love, like there's, there's always going to be more Star Trek and Star Wars for me to watch. <laughs> and like finding the things that keep you going, um, it, might, it might be so different than it was before, yeah. but they can be very joyful and very, very worth living for. And it, it takes some time to, to reach that point. And it takes, you know, some experience and some wisdom to recognize the things that you have that are good inside of living with chronic illness.
1: I don't think I've ever encountered um, any um, one or anything external saying I don't have value because I'm disabled. Mm. Uh, And I I know for sure I'd have two words for them. (laughs) (laughs) um, I think that's been more of an internal thing at times. Oh, wow.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: What is is my role now? Um, It was a big loss because after the surgery, I couldn't return to work um and i as i said i was a registered nurse at that time i was manager for a private home care um company mm. um i had left another job just got a great new apartment um i was in really good physical shape i was working out all the time i was able to walk a lot um had a you know a growing social life um and then it was just like just gone it was like the magic carpet just went and dropped to the ground (laughs) and then got pulled out from underneath me to to, on top of it. It was like all of those things were just lost. Um, And I'd been a nurse by that point. I started nursing when I was uh, 19 years old. Um, And I, you know, so we're talking a lot of years and then, and that had been part of my identity. And now I'm no longer a nurse. And I had also um, just finished uh, my training to be a nurse psychotherapist. Mm. And I'd been able to see clients for less than a year. And then that was gone too.
0: Wow. It's so frustrating. So
1: there, was, there was definitely uh, a lot of loss and a questioning of, okay, what is my role now? What can I do? Um, so I have... Found things along the way. And I, I find a lot of joy and value in the time I spend with my granddaughter. She comes for uh, sleepovers and, and we uh, do all kinds of things. She says, I'm the coolest grandmother ever. So she'll keep hanging out with me even when she's 17. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
1: so we have a lot of fun together. And, and that's, you know, I think when we um, experience chronic illness or chronic pain, it can get to the core beliefs we have about ourselves, And yeah. if we already question our self-worth, this will just throw it up in our face. And so, it, it can be a gift. It can be a time where we can start really taking that apart and going, wait a minute, you know, is this true?
0: Wow, absolutely. That is beautifully said. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely went through something similar wow. where I had to, you know, my, my sense of self-worth and value was a lot tied up in being a musician. Mm-hmm. And right when I flared up about five years ago, I had just been, you know, working for about a year to get a new band together, playing my music. And we'd played our very first show at my sister's wedding and it went great. And I was, we had some shows booked and, you know, I was like, wow, we're really doing this. You know, I've wanted to do this for so long and it's finally happening with this with this project, I make a uh, sci-fi themed synth pop music and I'd finally got a band together for it. And then my health loaded up and I wasn't able to do it anymore. And I haven't performed, you know, in years. And that, that was my identity was, you know, I'm a musician, I'm a performer. And yeah. I, it took years for me to, for, for that feeling of, you know, like every time I thought about that, I'd get so upset and I just felt so robbed. It's like Mm -hmm. someone had come into my house and stolen all my possessions. It's kind of that feeling of like this thing that I really built my life around is just taken from me. Um, And trying to like reprocess who am I, you know, like, what am I? I don't even know anymore if I can't do these things. Um, And it's just so incredibly painful, but then new things come along. You know, you, you become something new. People are flexible and adaptable and, No one does the same exact thing their entire life. Like things change for everyone and we all find new things to do and you find value and comfort and meaning in things that you'd never expect if you are open to it and allow these things to come to you. So it's really like completely changed my perspective um, Mm -hmm. about, you know, who I am as a person and like what value I have and what brings me joy and the things that I want to spend my time doing And in a lot of ways, I am more content now, even if I'm missing these things that I still desperately want to do. I'm recognizing that, uh, you know, no one person does everything that they want to do. You know, you can do as much as you can. You try Mm -hmm. your best and you find the things that work for you. And you, you know, for me, I've like put all my time and passion and energy into my creative projects. Like this show in particular is something that brings me a huge amount of joy and comfort. And me five years ago, never would have made this show, you know, and you just don't know where life is going to take you. And part of, part of chronic illness is your life takes a turn that you wouldn't expect, but you don't know what's down that road until you travel down that road a ways.
1: I, I, I have, I wish that someone had said a couple of things to me and I think it'd be really valuable if it was said to people who get diagnosed with something. Yeah. that, That chronic, that's going to change their life. And one is, you're going to grieve. You're going to grieve. There's going to be this sense of loss and there may be more loss along the way. And that's okay. Let yourself grieve. Get support to grieve. You eventually will move through this. Yeah. The other thing is that we make meaning. So, Mm. anything that's meaningful in our lives is meaningful because we've assigned meaning to it which means we can find new things to do and make those meaningful as well. Um, So for me, you know, um, one of the most meaningful things I do now is moderate um, the Facebook group. So um, uh, just a dynamic, amazing woman, Maya Carvalho, started uh, a Facebook group called Chronic. A chronic migraine support Canada, and then um, moved on to develop the. Um, you know what, my brain is just starting to not work for me. So,
0: um, <laughs> I know the feeling well.
1: Uh, the Canadian Migraine Society, hmm. and then she started a group for people with episodic migraine, which means you have fifteen or less migraines per month. Um, and so I moderate in the chronic group and um, it, it, it brought back the opportunity to use uh, and I can't do it officially at all, but to use my nursing and my yeah. psychotherapy skills Yeah, totally. um, so, because a lot of people need a lot of support and they also need a lot of information. So um, it gives me a chance to do a bit of research, to communicate medical stuff. Now, you know, um, nobody can take that away as medical advice. And we're very clear about that. But if people want to know about a certain drug or certain treatments or whatever, then I get to talk about that. Um, and, a, and a really nice part of it is there's five of us who moderate and we have our own little chat group because we deal with issues and support each other as well. And so um, I've made some friendships with these women and actually next week I'm going to meet one of them in person. So I'm really excited about that.
0: Yeah. That's so cool. But
1: I, I um, highly recommend that the, that group to anybody who is Canadian. Um, but the um, Migraine Society Canada is a website and it's open to anyone with migraine. And um, there is a lot of good information there and and uh can be very helpful. So that that's just migrainesociety.ca, nice and simple yeah, to find.
0: Awesome. Well, India, you've done an incredible job today and you've actually answered all my questions. I was just about to ask uh, a couple questions and you answered them. So and you'd answer <laughs> them beautifully uh as far as you know talking about the Facebook group and also a message that you'd send to anyone dealing with uh with these type of you know, chronic pain. Now, you know what would you send back? You've answered that as well. I loved your answer for that. Um, would you like to plug your TikTok or any anything else that you want to share with our audience?
1: I, I actually have a TikTok account, but that's just so that I can, you know, watch everybody else. I've thought about do I want to do content about migraine and chronic illness, and and that may happen at some point. Um, and um, you know, the it's the uh, the chronic migraine group that I'm involved with, Chronic Migraine Support Group Canada, that um, that I would encourage, like I said, I would encourage people to to go to. Um, so, Chronic Migraine Support Group Canada. Everything else I do online is uh, for other people doing like doing the social media mm-hmm. um, for this member of parliament, which I guess is kind of like one of your senators in the states. Mm-hmm. So, that that keeps me busy too, but I won't send you to their site. <laughs> it could be interesting yeah. and I work hard at it, but um, so, I don't really have any of my own social media to share at this point.
0: Yeah. I'd be very curious to see what you do on TikTok. I feel like you have so much um, hard-fought wisdom that would be really valuable to share. I mean, I'm going to share some of it on my TikTok, on the major pain TikTok that you've shared with us today, because there's a couple nuggets in there. They're just really powerful. And I just feel lucky to have captured it and to be able to share it. Would you like me to tag you on TikTok when I, when I share?
1: Oh, yes, please. Okay, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I will. Well, And I, of
1: course, want to know when this comes up, because of course, everybody in uh, the migraine group, um, we have over 1600 members oh, and wow. it's doubling every year pretty yeah. much. Um, and they're all like, when is it coming out? Let us know. (laughs) They're all, they're just, it's a very, very supportive group.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, that's so exciting. I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, I appreciate you sharing this with the, with the group when it comes out. Um, Yeah. You just really did a fantastic job today and I I wish you all the best. I know how hard it is to live with chronic pain and to find meaning and, you know, we have to be there for each other and sharing each other's stories, listening to each other just brings this validation that there is, you know, there's still life that happens, you know, there's still joy that happens and uh, family and connection. And all of that is just so important. And you've shared so much of it today. And I really appreciate it. India, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: I really, I really uh, appreciated this chance. And uh, I have to say, I was a little nervous at the beginning, but you made it really easy to just (laughs) talk about things. So thank you. And, um, and thank you also for your podcast. I, I listen to all the episodes and I find, I listened, re-listened to some too, because I do find, um, that I get, uh, I get information and support and insights from them. Um, and I, I enjoyed listening to Joseph's, mm-hmm. um, podcast because I started following him in, on TikTok pretty much when I started on TikTok. And I think he's just a really interesting guy too. Absolutely. So yeah um thank you again and it's uh it's been really nice to meet you and i wish you the best i hope
0: oh thank you I hope so much that you
1: get that diagnosis that you're fingers looking crossed for. <laughs> yeah. well
0: that means a lot and you're you know you're now a part of this and uh yeah you know you did an absolutely amazing job today i really appreciate it thank you thanks for listening to this episode of major pain i'm jesse mercury your host and the producer of this podcast artwork by egg salad salad our theme music is the song time machine from my sci-fi synth pop album available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com send your thoughts or questions to our email address majorpainpodcast at gmail.com you can also use that address to find us on paypal tips are greatly appreciated don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on apple podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. Major Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. Thank you to our $2 per month supporters, our $7 per month patrons Naomi Adele-Smith, Sonny Roberts, Laura Stevens, and Brooke Walters-Schmidt, and our $25 per month producers Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, and Ensign Q. Learn how you can support the show while receiving special recognition, gifts, and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash Podcast.